Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke's Wrestling Podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Superior quality in sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster. Zencaster.com. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R for all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication. Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. We made it. Happy 2022. To all of my brothers, sisters, non-binaries, Martians, other extraterrestrials out there, welcome back to Duke's Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling, combat sports, and everything else. Let me tell you something, folks. I am so excited, so happy to be here for the new year, and so happy that you're here with me. You know, we, we got an action-packed show this week. Going to be talking about uh, everything from women's wrestling on TV. You know, who's doing it right? Eh? That's, the, that's the real question. You hear a lot of folks give their opinion and, and say this, that, and the other thing. But who's doing it right? My man Rob the Genius is going to join us and go over the actual analytics of all of the top pro wrestling programs on TV and their women's content. You know, how many women's matches been going on for the past year, the, the length of time, and by percentage, who's getting it right and who definitely has a lot more room for improvement. So that should be interesting. We also have our friend Marie Shadows. She is going to close out this episode with me, catching me up on New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, which is pretty cool. So fun conversation with Marie once again. Two interviews, action-packed, can't wait. But before we get to any of that stuff, (laughs) there has been a lot going on in the past week uh, since we've had our last episode. And let me tell you something. I got to go there, man. I got to go there. I got to catch you up. And this is going to get very interesting. So for all of you out there who are on Twitter and Facebook, I'm going to cut this into a 10-minute segment so everyone can hear this in its entirety. And, of course, you can hear the rest of the episode going to your favorite podcast apps, Duke Loves Wrestling, R-A-S-S-L-I-N, hear the rest of the show. But, you know, this thing is going to be a standalone here. People come to me for my opinion, right? 
because I'm one of those people in, in life, and, and I think anyone who's ever listened to the show or even interacted with me and, and taken a step back and thought about it, I'm one of those people in life who is very loud and boisterous and expressive about the things that I like. I leave no doubt, no room for interpretation. There's no confusion about what I like, right? If you look at my social media, you'll you'll see that I've posted a lot about that new television show on ABC, The Wonder Years. I like that show. In fact, I love that show. In my opinion, that's the best show on TV today. It is just so well written, so well acted. It's fantastic, right? It is the, the black version of The Wonder Years, and it's so accurate. It's just, it's fantastic. Again, I love that show. Anytime it's on TV, you can catch me tweeting about it and talking about it, of course, right? I love coffee, right? I've I've become a coffee connoisseur, which is why that group on Twitter in particular, Coffee Core, you'll see me posting to them and liking their stuff and sharing it and posting whatever latest coffee concoction that I have going on, whether it be from Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or Panera Bread. You know, you got the Panera Plus program, so shout out to Panera, my friends over there. But I'm a coffee guy. I love it. And I don't mind sharing about it, right? That's what I do. When it comes to pro wrestling, I, I make no bones about the fact that Manami Toyota and Ric Flair are my two favorite wrestlers of all time, right? There's no question about that. I'm loud and I'm boisterous and expressive about the fact that Toyota and Flair, those are it. They are my, my two, right? When it comes to tag teams, I talk about the Steiner brothers and I talk about the Crush Gals. Like those, you know, those are the two best tag teams, in my opinion, for whatever I've seen. I talk about the Usos and how great they are today, right? I think they're the best tag team still going today. I talk about Thunder Rosa, who, pound for pound, in terms of active wrestlers, she is my absolute favorite today. No question about that. I'm loud and boisterous about Thunder Rosa and have been for a number of years now. We talk about the the Renegade Twins. We talk about La Rosa Negra. We talk about Holodead. These are folks who are can't miss. Asuka, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, can't miss, right? These are my favorites. These are folks that I have to watch because they're, they're just that fantastic. Ricky Starks, fantastic, Right? I'm loud and boisterous about these folks. There's no question about where I I land in terms of how I feel about them and their abilities. Layla Gray, I think she is someone who's next. She's that damn good. Tiffany Nieves, she's that damn good, right? There's no question. You can you can check it out. There's no I leave no room for interpretation on the fact that I am loud and boisterous and expressive about what I like, and I use logic. There's a lot of critical thinking that goes into why do I like what I like and who I like, right? But I I think there's a lot of people, and it happens, you know, they get confused. They get very confused because I'm just as loud and boisterous and expressive about what I don't like. And I think for some folks... When I'm sharing my opinion on someone that they may like and I say, well, you know, that's not very good or they didn't do a good job there or I don't like that. It's it's amazing the way that people react. It's like they're 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 surprised or shocked or, you know, they get they get a little nervous like, oh, hey, hey, man, you know, why are you saying that? 
But it's this is what people come to me for. It doesn't matter if they agree or disagree. We have we have wrestlers and promoters. We have fans and forget about pro wrestling. We have elected officials and business owners and, and, and managers in and, and all different types of industry. People come to me for my opinion on things. And it's not because they agree with me either. In fact, the majority of the people who come to me are people who genuinely disagree with me. But you know why they come to me? And you know why they, they want to hear what I have to say about things? Because, again, there's a lot of critical thinking and analysis. I have points that I am willing to discuss that helped me arrive at the conclusion that I arrive at. So it's like, okay, I may not agree with this guy, but I want to know, I want to understand his logic. Maybe he's, he's seeing a lot of things I don't see. And I want to consider that as well. And that's cool, right? I enjoy interacting with people that I, I disagree with because for the same reason, if you're a person that is expressive and detailed about why you arrive at the conclusion that you arrive at. I want to know more and I want to learn more and I want to understand more. I just, I thrive off of that. I enjoy that because the essence of that is learning from others, right? And that's what I enjoy to do. And I like to share with others. So it's a good give and take, but something happened. Uh, in fact, in the past 24 hours, which is really interesting. Um, Jade, she just won the AEW TBS Women's Championship. And first of all, let me just say this. On, Di- on Dynamite, which moved from TNT to TBS, on Dynamite, the match should have closed the night, and it didn't. It didn't even open the night. So that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, the, the title that is literally named after the network, you would have thought that that should have been the main event, or at least the kickoff. Very strange that they put that in the middle of the card, but that's another story. But Jay took on uh, Ruby Soho, the former Ruby Riot in WWE. She's now in AEW. And, you know, Jay's performance was abysmal. And I think in general, she's she is legitimately the worst wrestler I've ever seen. Like, she is just, she makes Eva Marie look like Ricky Steamboat. She's, she's the worst. There's no question about that for me. She's the worst. I've been watching wrestling my entire life. <laughs> it goes back to my first memory in life is watching wrestling. But I, I've also obsessed over it. I've researched. I've done school reports and, and spent countless hours discussing this thing with wrestlers and promoters and, and, and trainers and other fans and, and you name it. Right. This is a thing that I pay a lot of attention to. And I have formed an opinion on, right? And I can honestly say Jade is the worst. There is no one I've ever seen bell to bell over the amount of matches that she's had who has wrestled worse than she has. She's the worst. And people lost their mind over me saying that. See, see, they ignored the fact that I pointed out that Jade is a star and that I feel that she should be on TV doing something. And that I feel like AEW is to blame for her lack of ability in the ring because, I mean, she's not even a year in. So there's there's a lot of she should be bad. 
if you if you drop me in a in a dentist office or if you drop me in a restaurant or if you you drop me uh on a construction site and you tell me to do some technical work i'm going to look terrible trying to do that technical work because i'm not trained and if you train me for a few months i'm still going to look terrible because i don't have enough experience right pro wrestling is very technical even when you're doing the most basic things that's part of the reason why inexperienced people should stick to the basics and learn the basics and get those down pat because it's very technical you're trying to simulate a fight and you're trying to do so in an entertaining manner while you have thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people watching you and and critiquing you it is a, it is a very challenging thing to do. I couldn't do it. <laughs> that's that's beyond my skill set. You know, I've never done it and I never will. But that's part of the reason why I speak to people who actually have done it and who who teach other people how to do it. People who are far older than I am, far more experienced in, in even observing and, and critiquing this stuff than I am. And I say to them, hey, <laughs> this looks terrible to me. What do you say? I, I actually check my own opinion by talking to, to real experts on this just to see if they say, well, you know, it's not so bad because of this or the reason why it looks like that is because. No, universally, universally, when it comes to Jade, everyone says she looks great. She has star power. She needs to be trained properly because up to this point, she does not look like she knows what she's doing. In fact, she looks pretty dangerous in there. So that's it. I don't see improvement. In fact, I see somebody who looks like they're getting worse. So, you know, I shared that and people lost their mind. You know, we love wrestling, who I have a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for. Encourage everybody to check them out. It's one of my favorite shows and one of my favorite follows on Twitter. But we love wrestling. It was like, come on, man. You, <laughs> she's not the worst. How could you say she's the worst you've ever seen? And, 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 and what are the optics of you saying that about her? Right? It just doesn't look right. And I agree. In a vacuum, it doesn't look right for me to say that this talented and incredible star, probably a once-in-a-lifetime star in terms of presence, and she's a black woman, Right? The optics of me saying she's the worst wrestler ever, yeah, that could look pretty bad for someone who is looking at it in a vacuum. Now, go back and look at everything I've ever said about her and her performance and what I believe in terms of her star ability, what I believe in terms of how AEW should feature her. I've been pretty consistent on that. There's no question there. In a vacuum, you may say, well, this is a problem. But when you look at it in its totality, I've been pretty consistent on this one. So, you know, and that's the thing. I'll stand by whatever I say about whomever I say it about because this isn't personal. This isn't something that um, not looking to I got you on anybody. This is this is legitimately just calling it the way it is. You know what I mean? And and quite frankly, she's the worst. (laughs) Can she improve? Of course she can. She ain't there yet. So there it is. You know? And I, I think I think people need to 
remember, just because we like somebody or even just because we dislike somebody, it doesn't mean we can't be just as critical and honest and clear about them as we are somebody who we'd like or dislike, right? Call it down the middle, man. This isn't about favorites. Call it down the middle. And I don't care uh, what the optics are because, again, my my record stands for itself. Anyone can look up what I say about anyone. (laughs) I use the same points. If you are not properly trained at what you do, And it is clear. I'm calling it out. I think it's terrible. And that's the way it is. Now, if you are properly trained, I'm calling it out as well. I think it's great. I think with Bianca Belair, and she's a a, a prime example of how to do it right. She spent years in the in the uh, performance center. When they put her on TV, they put her in spots where she had to slowly learn. They didn't give her more than what she could handle. In the beginning. And then when they did, like that match she had in NXT with Charlotte, which there were some really rough edges in that match. You could see that she, you know, she was improving, but there was still a lot of work left to be done. That was okay. Because they slowly brought her along and they did not put her in a position where it was too much too soon. Even though she felt she could do more, she couldn't do more. She didn't know what she didn't know. She needed to take more time and learn it. And guess what happened? She became so good. She headlined WrestleMania. Don't tell me I can't say Jade is the worst wrestler I've ever seen because she's not trained properly, because she hasn't trained long enough. When we have Bianca Belair as an example, don't do that. Because now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at everybody and I'm saying, so what's really going on here? Are we, are we trying to hide what our eyes can clearly see, right? I don't care <laughs> if if this is not politically correct or what have you, if this is bad optics, if this is something that is going to upset anyone else. I don't care. You know why? Because everybody shares their opinion on things and everybody points out what they don't like. Now, the difference is what's your special interest, Right? What's your special interest? If something is blatantly bad and you're not saying it's blatantly bad, but you're, you're known for giving your opinion, what's your special interest? And who do you benefit in that situation? People come to me for my opinion on things because they know they're going to get an opinion and they know that they're going to get some supporting evidence to back up my opinion, whether they agree with it or not. That is my brand. And I don't, I don't make exceptions on that. If it's bad, it's bad, right? I pointed out that Thunder Rosa doing dives out into the into the uh, outside of the ring or doing these flips off the top rope into the outside of the ring, that's bad. It's terrible. Makes no sense because it's dangerous and because she's going to get hurt. She has gotten hurt because of it. Because the people she's diving on, the people who she's flipping on, they're not catching her properly. So it's just a lose-lose all around, <laughs> Right? That's my favorite wrestler. And I'm saying that. Right? Are you kidding me right now? I can't point out that Jade is the worst wrestler I've ever seen. I'm doing it. And I did it. And I'm going to continue to do it until I see improvement. And if and if the entire 
world wants to stand up and say that I'm the worst guy in the world for saying it, I'm okay with that. You know why? Because all you're going to get is integrity over here. It's just the way it is, you know? And it's funny that that, that happened because that was just a few days removed from me <laughs> calling out Tony Khan and all the tap dancers and the shoe shiners in AEW who have completely disrespected Big Swole and generally speaking, black wrestlers in AEW. Big Swole has a new podcast and she did an episode on which she pointed out systemic issues in AEW, primarily focusing on race and, and sexism, right? She talked about the lack of equitable representation across the board and how that has affected the product and how she's voiced those concerns and how they've fallen on deaf ears for the most part. And that being the primary reason why she had to leave AEW it was disturbing her peace. It was like the greatest hits of everything that I've been saying all along that I've observed, but she actually was living it in that company, right? And Tony Khan's response to that was to say, hey, you know, I'm a person of color and this one and that one is a person of color. So we have plenty of diversity. And by the way, we released Big Swole from her contract or we didn't, excuse me, we didn't re-sign her because we didn't think that her performance is very good. I'm paraphrasing, but basically he was saying that she just wasn't good enough to remain on the roster. So that's why they would not bring her back. Which is interesting. It's interesting for an executive, the president of the company, in response to somebody pointing out systemic issues to say, well, you know, there's no systemic issues here. You're just not good <laughs> enough to be here. So I called that out. Right. And some wrestlers like Leo Rush, he, he, he called uh, Tony Khan out and said he needs to apologize. And then less than 24 hours later, Leo Rush had to walk that back. And I understood why he was out there on his own calling it out. It's not like the other folks in AEW were backing up Leo, even though I'm sure that's how a lot of them felt. But they weren't going to back him up because they all, you know, they need that paycheck. So then the interesting thing started happening. You had people like Will Hobbs and Sean Dean trying to run interference for Tony Khan and talking about how wonderful he's been to them and how they don't have any issues. And, you know, in, in Sean Dean's case, he, he's working on all the things Swole brought up. And, you know, she has personal issues anyway. And she knows that's what's gotten in the way of her progress. And she knows that. So, you know, this just a whole lot of nonsense that amounted to blatant shoe shining and tap dancing and trying to take a, take a hit for master. You know, that's what it was. It was embarrassing, <laughs> embarrassing. I called it out. And, and you know, the, the, the AEW mob, these, these random Twitter pages, that have less than 100 followers and they've been around for a year, two years, three years, you know, whatever. So you know that they're burner accounts and I'm sure that some of those burners are actually AEW employees or independent contractors, but that's another story. Um, they came out. They came out and and told me that, I, you know, 
I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm terrible and I'm this and I'm that and the other thing. There's an irony in that. Think about this for a second. And this is what I'm getting at here. Integrity is standing firm and expressing a take and standing firm behind that take regardless of who is criticizing you for it and regardless of who is upset with you for it and regardless of who likes it. I had people who were essentially supporting systemic racism telling me that I'm wrong. And now I have people who are completely against systemic racism telling me I'm wrong for saying that Jade is the worst wrestler I've ever seen. I got I got the opposite ends of the spectrum completely disagreeing with me about essentially related topics here. I'm not making excuses for a bad wrestler. When I say I'm against systemic racism, when I say that I want equality, when I say that we have to have stuff that makes sense, right? That doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and support what's terrible. (laughs) That's silly, you know? And if that's something that you do in practice, then good for you. But I'm not doing that. People come to me for my opinion. Whether they agree with it or disagree with it, because they know that there's critical thinking. They know that there's supporting information. It's a take. And I stand firm behind it. AEW is a mess. And I and I really feel for the wrestlers who who are essentially selling their souls by sticking up for Tony Khan when he did what he did. Right? This is this is bordering on the worst insult I can give somebody. I'm starting to question whether Tony Khan is even a nice person. Worst thing I could say about somebody is that they're not a nice person. And I'm getting to the point where I don't know if that if he is a nice person. I don't know. I think the guy is, is he's got some significant things to work on in terms of management, basic management. Because he, he just completely misses the mark over and over and over again. And for him to come out in response to. Big Swole pointing out systemic issues and to say, hey, <laughs> she just wasn't good enough to be here. I don't know, man. I don't know. And now he's going to beat us over the head with with Jade, which there is an irony in that because that is the worst wrestling that you can see. To say that she's good enough to be on that roster, but Big Swole isn't. It's embarrassing. But I call it all out. And I'll continue to do that. And, you know, for those of you out there who are uncomfortable about that or have a problem with that, good for you. Good for you. When you come here, though, you know you're going to get a definitive answer. Just know that. So that's where we're at. You know, it's been crazy. I mean, 2021 ended that way with that whole swollen and, and Tony Khan situation. And then 2022 began with everyone who wants to shine shoes. They got their shine boxes out trying to defend Tony Khan and essentially make it seem as if Big Swole's, uh, the things that she brought up were unfounded. Really interesting stuff. 
Really interesting. And what's even more interesting is those who have found a way to avoid discussing the fact that she pointed out systemic issues. They've turned it into a tweet versus a tweet, right? And that's not what's at, at, at heart here. We're talking about culture and the way things are being managed in that company and how it's affecting people in that company systemically. People wanted to reduce that down to a tweet. Well, you know, Tony could feel that way, but he shouldn't have tweeted it. What? (laughs) Come on. You know, I don't know, man. Look, these are things that we talk about on the show and that we've continued to talk about. And and certainly the door is always open for anyone involved. They want to come on the show and talk about it. Be my guest. Say whatever you want. I'll ask you some questions, but you can say whatever you want. But don't think we're going to shy away from this. We're going to talk about it. And on the flip side, when it comes to basic performance of the basic art of pro wrestling, I'm going to talk about that too. And if it's great, then we're going to say it's great. And if it's good, we're going to say it's good. But if it's terrible, I'm saying it's terrible. And I'll let you figure out how to deal with that. Anyway, I get off my soapbox here because I got a great conversation that <laughs> it, it it lends itself to a lot of what's what I just said here. And the best part about it is that the analytics, the numbers are there back it up. So without further ado, my conversation with my brother, Rob the Genius. Ladies and gentlemen, you know that when it comes to dissecting women's wrestling, you know, and specifically how these these promotions respect and feature or how they're disrespecting and not featuring enough women's wrestling. That's something that not only do I speak about on a continuous basis, but I love to have folks who have actually taken the time to do the research and come with some some data to back up what our eyes are telling us, because, you know, some people will say, Uh, Don't always believe what you hear or what you see. And certainly I understand that. But when the if the data is anywhere in line with what you hear and what you see, then, you know, you have you're on to something here. Now, if it's all jumbled up, then you know that maybe you're mistaken. And I always want to make sure I'm on the right side of history. I want to make sure that as I'm giving my analysis and opinion, that there are some facts to support me. So. Consider this a checks and balances situation that we're about to uh, go through again, like we've done through the years. In this case, I'm bringing on a, a, a person who is joining us for the first time. It's a guy who spent a lot of time researching the, the, the topic, knows what he's talking about. I love what he's doing on Twitter, the way that he is um, shining a light on a major issue and, and various other issues as well. I mean, this brother really knows his wrestling, which is cool. So without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. My brother, Big Rob. What's going on there, Rob? Hey, how you doing, man? Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. And let's just jump right into it, Rob. I mean, first and foremost, what is it? What is it? What, what kind of special goodies do you have for me for the new year to dig into? Because you're a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy. What do you got for me, brother? Basically, I'm a mathematician, so I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. So to me, and there are so many things you can count up with wrestling, so many things that you have stats for nowadays. And people have 
compile the data so you don't have to go, you know, you know, emailing people and texting people trying to find out this, that, or the other. So because all this stuff is available, um, and because because of COVID, where we have all this time at home now <laughs> to do things, um, um, I just I started looking into this stuff because I'm a fan of women's wrestling, and you know when you watch wrestling on TV, and if, you know if you if you really pay attention to what's going on on the women's side in every company, there are just times where you're just like, okay, what the hell? <laughs> okay. Um, and for me, so like, for example, on Raw and SmackDown, there's this tendency to have these super short matches a lot of times to the point where it's just like disturbing, like 30 seconds, you know, a minute, two minutes, right? Um, and then over on Dynamite, there is the one match a week rule, basically, where, you know, you're going to get this one match and that's what it's going to be. And don't ask us for any more. <laughs> okay. And... So those things kind of just jump out and it, you know, just got me to just wondering, cause like, like you were saying, you know, you, you know, you, you get a hunch about something or, you know, or you, you think something is going a certain way based on what you see, but you know, before you start, you know, pontificating and all that, you know, you, you really should look and see if what you're seeing, if what you're thinking you're seeing is actually what's going on. Right. So I just started looking into it. I just started saying, okay, well, how many matches are they having every week? You know, um, how much time are they getting? And thankfully, I don't have to sit there with a stopwatch. Um, there are a couple of websites that log all this stuff in, cagematch.net and ProFightDB. They, you know, they, I don't know who works there, but thank you to whoever does the work there. Um, they log in all of this stuff. So I would just... You know, I went there and I, you know, I could look up the match times and, you know, you see who's in, who's in the matches, who wrestles, how often, you know, whose matches get more time than others, um, all that kind of thing. And you can just, and I just, you know, put this Excel sheet together, start going week by week. And once you get rolling, I mean, as long as I, mean, I started during the summer, so, I mean, I had to do, you know, I had to do a bit of, you know, catching up to go back to the beginning of the year. But once you get rolling and then it's, it's pretty easy. Cause it's just, you know, it's, you know, you do it week by week. And so now I watch raw SmackDown and NXT every week. I watch impact. Sometimes I keep up with AEW and AEW, you know, tells you what's going to be on dynamite every week, you know, a few days in advance. So that's not hard to keep up with. Um, so I just started keeping track and just wondering, you know, because, I wanted to spell this all out and see just what exactly was going on here. And because like, as you know, like when, like when you're trying to speak on inequalities and all that, like you got to compile the data, right? Like you, like you can't just say we got, you know, housing discrimination problem. And then you can't tell anybody about disparities and, you know, interest rates or lending approvals. And all. If, if you can't tell people what the actual disparity is, and you, and you can't just go around saying we got a disparity, right? I mean, at some point you got to prove it, right? Um, or, you know, hiring discrimination or whatever, right? You all mean you always got to go out there and get the information so that you can show people that, yeah, it's not equal. Okay. <laughs> and here, here it is. Let me show you that just how unequal it is. You know, right? I, I love uh, that. I love that because, again, it, it, when you have facts to support your, your position, 
um, what you think you know. When you have the facts to support it, then that means you're not just thinking, you actually know. And then it's, a, it's, a, it's far more difficult for people to ignore it. They have to confront it. They got to face it because the numbers are, are supporting what we see. You know what I mean? So let me let me ask you a question straight up, Rob. Okay. And, and we're going to start in an interesting place here, and then we're going to work our way around. Based on the data, so forget about the eye test for a second. Let's take, let's take what we think we know. Let's take what we, what we feel. Let's take our opinions out of it for a second. Based on the data, percentage to what's on TV, who is featuring more women's wrestling action on a week-to-week basis? Which promotion? And, and I don't even, you know, even which show in particular, if you want to break it even down further, but who's presenting more women's wrestling content overall. Okay. Um, in terms of sheer volume, it's Monday night raw. Okay. Now, in terms, in terms of like best, I don't know, usage or efficiency or whatever it's NXT. And so- I'll say that NXT is out of all of the weekly wrestling shows, NXT does the best job featuring women's wrestling. So, so again, I want to take our opinion out of it for a second. When you say efficiency, what do you mean? Are you saying that NXT is spending more minutes per episode featuring women's wrestling? What do you mean by efficiency? For, uh, for the amount of time that they have. Got it. Okay. So it's okay. a two-hour program. Um, right. I, I think we got to take away, what, 15 minutes? at least for commercials. So it's really a 45 minute and a 45 minute. So that's an hour and a half, 90 minute uh, wrestling program. So you're saying that NXT is featuring more women's wrestling action um, overall per episode for the year than any other wrestling program that you took a look at that. Yeah. Let let me give you a comparison. Okay. By my count, um, I counted up 109 matches on Monday night raw. For, and now that's that's counting women's matches and like mixed tag or whatever. I did didn't count any twenty four seven stuff. All right, but I counted one hundred nine matches on Raw. And NXT, despite being two hours compared to three, I counted up ninety eight. So they had almost the same amount of matches over the year, in one less hour's time every week. That is tremendous. That that is that is completely tremendous because we are talking about um, shows that are on, like you said, every week. So that that means that there are, you know, roughly fifty two episodes uh, in the year. So if if Raw right. has an extra, so that means Raw has an extra fifty two hours, which you can break that down to forty five minute segments there. Um, but right. you know, <laughs> they they have an extra hour per week, and yet. NXT is featuring close to just as much women's wrestling action as raw does. That is tremendous. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I mean, and that was, and they, and they used more people, right. Um, I'm counting, I'm looking at my little spreadsheet here and, um, now, yeah, I mean, and actually, they 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 used the more different women got to wrestle on the show, and that's not even. And I'm not counting like people who were enhancement talent, just like people who were regulars on the show. There were there was a longer list of women 
who got to wrestle on NXT, you know, regularly or semi-regularly or whatever. Um, now, would now the, the thing with, with, now with Raw, the thing is like the, the stuff they do good, they do really good. And so I would say if you're looking at like as far as who's best at it, at their peak, I'd say the, the peak of what they do on Monday night is better than what anybody else does. But week to week across the board is NXT and it's not close. You know, I, that's that's an interesting point there. And I and correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, uh, but I think Raw has had more women's main events over the yes. past year than any other wrestling program. So when you say as far as doing the best at their peak, that's a prime example of what you're talking about. There actually been more women's matches that have been in the main event um, than any other wrestling program for the year, right? Yes. So I, I counted up um, by my count. There were eight times the women main evented on Raw. And nobody else is close. Um, I think SmackDown has about like four or five maybe. Um, NXT has about four or five and I think Dynamite had like one or two and then Impact didn't I think they, Impact didn't have any this year they, no, they have in the past but yeah Raw had like eight different times as women main event and, that's very interesting that's very very yeah. interesting I wonder about something here Rob and, and, and I want I'm not trying to cut you off but I want to make sure that I, I stay with you on on what we're talking about because we're looking at this from a, a, a complete perspective here where does impact and AEW rank um, compared to NXT and raw because so give me the rest of the ranking so you're saying that there's NXT there's raw where do the other shows uh, rank in terms um, of overall here okay um it's well, I'd say dynamite is last because it's one match every week. And a lot of times it's just the outside of the Britt Baker stuff, there's there's very little rhyme or reason. Um and now they've been doing the TBS title tournament thing. And so that I mean that's something with a focus or you know, any any purpose to it. But so much of the other stuff. I mean, a lot of times the stuff that's outside of the Britt Baker stuff is just, you know, it's like drawing names out of a hat. And then, you know, to make matters worse, like before she was champion, when Sheeta was champion, Sheeta, there were some times where Sheeta was like sitting in the stands like during the episode of Dynamite. Ridiculous. And, Embarrassing. And, I mean, can you imagine if they asked like Charlotte or Sasha or Becky to sit in the stands and watch everybody else? Yeah. Can you can you imagine the what, what, what kind of response do you think they would get to that? Completely disrespectful. Uh, it's it's clear, and I and I am going to give my opinion here. Completely disrespectful. It's it's clear that they they um, did not respect Sheeta as champion compared to Britt Baker, who you know the way that she's being featured, she's being featured as a star. There's no question about that. You know they right. they are going out of their way to promote her, and for the most part, she's the only one out of the entire division that has a consistent storyline. Right. So they're not even trying to develop anybody else to even come close to where she's at. Now you have somebody like Jade Cargill, who's a star uh, just naturally. That's who she right. is, but that's right. probably the closest that you're going to get. And then you have a Thunder Rosa, who's probably the best wrestler 
uh, definitely on the women's roster, but she she might she's easily one of the best wrestlers in the company. Um, she's a star, so she's going to get over regardless of what you're doing. But she doesn't even have a consistent storyline. So right, which what you have here on TV is just a lack of commitment. That's what I see. So you're telling me that the data actually backs that up. Yeah. Now, um, the one now I'll say this: the one thing Dynamite does better is they don't have the super short matches. You know, you you only get your one match every week, but it's going to be at least six or seven minutes, or it might go over ten, depending on who's in it. Um, so I will give them credit for that. But beyond that, it's you know it's that, and then you know they've done a great job at promoting Britt Baker, and that's really it. And it's I mean it's kind of the old you know kind of 80s model where you have your women's champion and then you just have a bunch of other people you know and you know you you feed somebody to your women's champion and then when she's done with them you know you bring up somebody else to feed to her um you know and and that's pretty much it now and of course now people will tell you well they're doing a tbs title and they're doing this and they're doing that and like, okay but we'll see like once the tournament's over you know, what are they going to do with that title is, you know, will there be a second women's match on Dynamite during the week or will that be relegated to like the YouTube shows? And of course, that's another point of contention because I've seen people, you know, people will bring up, you know, dark and dark elevation is, you know, well, well, you should watch that. Well, one, there's only so many hours in the week. Um, and the show everybody wants to be on is the television show. Okay, just like I mean, you know, you don't want to be on main event. You want to be on Raw or SmackDown. Well, there's there's a whole financial component that goes along with that, too, because when we talk about value on the open market, your ability to command more dollars, you, you have to justify that. So that means that are you are you someone that the fans believe in? Are you a, a credible contender to the the top prizes, so the top championships? Are you someone that people um, clamor for? They want to buy your merchandise and what have you. Generally speaking, that's not going to happen if you're not featured on television. You know what I mean? So so you can right. draw a direct line. The people who make the most money in, in any wrestling promotion, for the most part, are the people who are featured on television more than others and they're featured strong when they're featured on television so it's not even just that they're on tv when they're on tv they're featured as a somebody when you're relegated to youtube shows and and all this other nonsense here there's no way that that's going to translate into being able to justify being paid more money than say your peers who are on tv i mean it, it you can't do it it doesn't make any sense you know what i mean so this right. is and, and since wrestling is predetermined since this is a booker who's putting in place who's going to be where, it's on purpose, right? So, right. And then, please, yes, please. Uh, and now, it was because kind of, I put it, I mean, there. Are two, I'd say there are two kind of draws in wrestling. If you look at it, okay, there are people who are individual draws on their own, and then there are people who, by putting them on the show, the show is better, and therefore more people will want to watch the show. Okay. So, you know, I mean, for to be in any type of prominent position, you, you know, you got to be one or the other, right? 
you either got to be an individual draw on your own, or you got to be somebody that makes the show that much better by being on it, that it'll, it'll make people happier with the show. But it's hard to get to either one of those places if you're on the YouTube shows and nothing else, because again, this is a time thing, right? I mean, you're literally at, you're asking people to watch dynamite and watch rampage and watch these YouTube shows. And, you know, and, and that's in addition to any other wrestling they watch during the week. That's in addition to what any other TV they watch during the week. Right. Um, because, you know, I, I don't watch every minute. No, no, I, I watch Raw SmackDown and NXT. I do not watch every minute, every week live of every show. Okay. Um, I usually get, I get all the SmackDown in usually because it's SmackDown is pretty easy. It's on Friday. It's two hours. Right. Um, raw, you know, I, if, you know, like dip in and out depending on what's going on at the moment. And in their times with NXT, I don't catch it till the next day or whatever. Right. I mean, cause just, you just don't have but so many hours in the day. Right. And then, and I also watch, look, I watch law and order SVU. I watch stuff on ESPN. I watch movies and stuff on Disney plus all that. You know, right. So, I mean, you're asking people to reach out into the, like the, the far ends of your programming when there are only so many hours in the week that people have. And so when, when somebody is stuck on the YouTube show, no matter how good they are, they're just not going to get the audience. And, you know, and telling us, that, you know, well, you should watch the YouTube show. Well, I don't have that much time. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, sorry. Um, so if, if you want me to see these people, then, you need to put them somewhere where it's either, where it's easier for me to get to or where it already fits in what I'm already doing right now. Now I do now. And the only exceptions I make to that is like, there are times where, you know, if, if there's a lot of good stuff you can get on fight TV and like it's on the weekend or whatever, and you're not doing anything, there's, you know, you can go there and, and get some good stuff. But other than that, I mean, you're talking about during the week, um, there's only so many hours people have. And so when you, I mean, you went, so because then the contrast that with WWE, their approach is they don't expect you. They don't expect you to watch every minute of raw SmackDown and NXT live. The way they, the way they deliver their content, the way they make, you know, uh, chop up segments for YouTube for the next day or whatever. They make it, you know, they, they're not expecting you to do that. They're not expecting you to take all that in. Right. And they have YouTube exclusive things that, you know, you go to YouTube to watch because and it's it's easier to get somebody like somebody who's watching. It, it's easier to get them to, to sample stuff that way than to get somebody to expect somebody to watch your whole slate of live programming and then go watch your YouTube stuff on top of that. Um, that's asking a whole lot. You know, I, I'll tell you, I'm I'm just completely um fascinated by this analysis because again our eyes and our ears are telling us these very things so the fact that you went and took a look at the numbers and this is the conclusion of the numbers as well it's on one end it feels gratifying because it's you know i'm not crazy here what i see and what i hear is actually what it actually what it is but on the other hand it's it's pretty disappointing because you realize that we got a major problem here. 
um, because it's not as if the WWE is doing a perfect job. They're still doing, a, no. in my opinion, a piss poor job with the way that they're presenting these fantastic women athletes. They could, yeah, there's, there's a that. lot of room of, uh, for improvement, but the fact that the company that wants to claim that the number two company and in, in the eyes of a lot of people, they are AEW. It's as if they're not even trying, Rob. I mean, am I, am I crazy here? Um, I'd say we'll see. And here, see here, here's the elephant in the room. Um, I'd say they're doing what their audience wants. I think for the most part, their audience is good with what they're doing. And their MO from day one has been to cater to their hardcore, the hardcore segment. Well, they have, I mean, they're a pretty hardcore fan show anyway. And their MO from day one, for better or worse, has been to cater to the, the hardcore of the hardcore. And that part of the audience is perfectly fine with what they're doing. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, and look, it just, um, it's reality, just like reality, you know, some folks are racist. I mean, that's reality, right? I mean, and there's no, there's no understanding or trying to figure something else out about it. Right. I mean, um, they have a, you know, there's a strong center of their audience that is, that is cool with what they're doing. I mean, and look, there are people who, I mean, I've been in threads and in conversations with some people about even the WWE stuff where, um, this is a story I've told a million times. Um, one day I was at Target. I had on one of my wrestling T-shirts and one of the people there just, you know, we got to talking about it. And out of the blue, the guy just said, you know, they didn't, you know, I wish they didn't do so much, didn't have so many women's matches now. Right. That man said this unprompted, by the way. Right. Um, so that's a real opinion that's out there. All right. Um, there are real people who want to go back to the, you know, the, the brown panties days. All right. Um, there are, and yep. there, and you're right. Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's true. And you're right. Um, and you know, in in that in the you know the discussion about ratings, which we're going to get to later, but that's there is an unaccounted there's an, well, I say an undiscussed thing in regards to ratings and audience that they have absolutely lost some people because they feature more people of color now on WWE and because they do more stuff with women. They have a hundred, they have absolutely lost some people because of that. Um, let's, I mean, we don't even need to pretend that that's not a thing. Okay. <laughs> Just like that guy in the, in the story I mentioned, and he wasn't some mean, like meathead kind of jerk type of dude. He, I mean, he sounded just, he was a polite suburban dad sounding type of dude. And he just came with that out of the blue, right? Unprompted. So, I mean, there are definitely people out. He ain't the only one that thinks that way. Um, so, there is a balancing act you got to do. Um, now, I will say as far as ADW now, you know, at this point, they do, I, I would say that now compared to the beginning, they do book things more like they do actually care a little bit. I mean, in, in the beginning, it was just like, why do y'all even have a division, right? Um, which, and you know what? I mean, to be honest, um, it's more honest. If, if you're not going to put any time into it, then it's more honest to just not have one and then take the criticism that comes with that. Um, so now I will say, I mean, they are definitely making more of an effort now. Um, but... 
we'll see what happens after this TBS tournament thing is over because once that's done and settled and there's a TBS champion, we'll see what they do with it. Um, you know, we'll see how long that becomes a thing, uh, how, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. You said, you said something about ratings and, and, and let, let's dig into that a little bit here. What ratings are you, are you referring to and, and, and what did, were you able to find out? Oh, uh, well, all right. So, because I, and this is another thing, cause you know, there are websites that, you know, keep track of TV ratings every week. And so I, you know, I looked at some of that and I just put it in the old spreadsheet here and because, well, right, well, the actual, the Nielsen rating number is complete is a completely unreliable thing okay whether it says 1.5 million or 900,000 or whatever that that number is pretty much worthless for any conversation we have um what you can do though is you know you log in all the numbers over time and you can look look at you know patterns what causes numbers to go up what causes them to go down at what points in the year do they go up or down that type of thing and you you can figure out some things from that, um, and so like with AEW, the, the biggest thing is they get you know they have special episodes that cause the numbers to go up, or if there's a big debut, the numbers will go up. But when it's just like you know the quote unquote regular part of the year, things tend to level off, and now. WWE does kind of the opposite thing. They don't they don't book for special episodes and things like that. They just have a you know they have their regular you know ongoing slate of things, right? And which of course you know that leads to the criticism that they're predictable, blah 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 blah. Um, it's just two different ways of doing things. One has a consistent arc throughout the year, and one writes their show to basically to spike things. But then when there's nothing when there's nothing being put on to spike things, they don't they level off. So that it's just it's just two it's two it's just two different ways of doing things. Right? That is and interesting. It, it, you know, it's just and you know, we'll see over time. Well, and, and so far, I mean they're both successful. Um, and that's the other thing about the ratings thing, right? Um nobody's getting canceled. Everybody is doing what whatever their network situation is. Everybody is doing exactly is doing well enough for their respective networks to stay right where they are. Nobody's getting canceled. And that's look with TV stuff. That's really the only thing that matters. When you start here, when you start seeing stories that show X is in danger of cancellation, then you can pay attention. Right. Um, when you or in this case, you know, we got. You know, well, Time Warner you know, ask for the third hour of programming for AEW. So you got Rampage. Uh, wouldn't be, you know, if Dynamite becomes a three-hour show one day or if Rampage becomes a two-hour show one day, you should not be surprised because they are delivering what the network wants, okay? You, you get a third hour. Everybody complains about Raw being three hours, but Raw is three hours because the third hour of Raw on the worst day or the worst week possible even when you see those dirt cheese stories about lowest ratings ever, the third hour of Raw does at least twice as good as anything else USA Network would have in that time slot. When you when you look at the other stuff that comes on USA Network during the week, it's Chris Lee knows best. <laughs> and, 
and you know, and everyone, if you watch USA Network, you're familiar with those commercials for crazy Todd Quisley and his crazy family, right? Um, but on USA, it's that. And then people laugh about, you know, the NXT ratings being what they're, oh, they're only doing 500,000 now. That's better than, the only thing that does better on USA Network is Raw and Chrisley Knows Best and some of the Law and Order reruns, right? That's it. So this is this is interesting, and and I'm glad that I have you on here because you're a mathematician. You're, you're a guy that cares about numbers and understands how to dissect them. Um, you, you you certainly know a lot more than I ever will. Uh, so this is great. I, I love to learn new things and really challenge my own thinking and what logic dictates to me. So I've been following this Nielsen rating stuff for years, and. I'm someone that has participated in the whole Nielsen rating stuff. I think a lot of people missed that point. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I, I've, you're the first person I've ever talked to who's ever actually done it. And I'm, and I'm a black man, which is um, even more rare. Right. Um, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just not, it's not something that, that Nielsen has done a great job with, which is part of not the reason why they, they've come back <laughs> to me on various levels. I'm going to, I'm going to really peel back the onion here. Cause I can talk to you about this, Rob. So, okay. So Nielsen comes to me um, for product reviews. So that's number one. So I do a tremendous amount of product reviews for them uh, through the years. And I've been doing it for at least, I don't know, seven, eight years now. A lot of people don't realize they're into that too. So when I say product reviews, literally, I mean product reviews. I mean toilet tissue. I mean candy. I mean um, uh, fake meat, you know, like these, these uh, plant-based burger patties. You name it, any anything that's consumable, Nielsen is involved with uh, companies that are named something else, but they're actually under the Nielsen umbrella. So mm-hmm. these are subdivisions. It, it's no different from WWE having different programming, uh, NXT UK, SmackDown Raw, whatever. These are subdivisions. But the idea is they're collecting data about consumers so that they can then you know, sell this data and, and get a better understanding, or at least the, the companies themselves and the advertisers can get a better understanding of what consumers want and who's consuming what, uh, even more specifically. So I started off doing the product reviews. Then they started to hit me up about movie reviews. So, you know, wow. once at least once a quarter, they'll hit me up to watch a movie or a television show that is not even on the market yet. And mm-hmm. the idea is I give information about who I like and who I don't like, what character, what, what actors I think are doing a great job. Uh, is the story boring? At what point will I walk out of the movie theater or at what point would I change the channel? So it's a whole detailed process. A lot of times it can take a couple of hours straight because you, you, you watch and then you do a questionnaire and sometimes you actually have a discussion um, mm-hmm. about it. So there's that. That translated into them inviting me to be a part of the traditional Nielsen uh, television audience. No, so okay. wow. they, they started sending me a couple years ago questionnaires, and they would send me between three and five crisp $1 bills. When I say crisp, I mean these joints like they were just cut. They're from the mint, right? Wow. Crisp $1 bills. So... You know, every now and then I would get three dollars in the mail and a questionnaire that I would have to fill out. 
So just circle bubbles and, and write in the names of shows that I'm watching and things like that. And even in that moment, I, I recognize the fact that this was so inaccurate. Um, the average American household in, in, in modern days has more than one TV in the household. And right. generally speaking, different people in the household are watching different programming. Um, not to mention your computer, your tablet, your, your smartphone. So there are so many other ways to consume uh, what we would call TV in, in the modern era. So I always felt that this was a little inaccurate way of, of me explaining what I watch. Not to mention, I could be watching one program and then when it goes to commercial, I flip the channel to watch something else and I may stay on the something else. Right. You know what I mean? And, and they could never account for that type of stuff. So anyway, something strange happened during the pandemic. Nielsen stopped reaching out to me, and I noticed that, and that was very strange for the TV. They reach out to me on everything else, but for the TV-specific stuff, they just went completely silent. Wow. And I thought that was weird. So then I started doing research and found out that I wasn't alone. The, the um, VAB and the, the, the governing body that gives Nielsen and other companies like them, their accreditation to be able to say that they're credible when they're giving television ratings to advertisers and to TV companies. Um, Nielsen was sued because it was very clear that the data that they collected, at least in 2020, was completely inaccurate. It didn't make any sense because people were home. So to say that there's still right. a significant drop in television viewing overall is just not true. There's no you couldn't you could not sell that bale of goods to anybody and and call yourself credible doing it because it's just not true. So people started digging into right. that, and eventually, you know, at first Nielsen said, "No, we're we're accurate, we're accurate." But eventually, it was proven that Nielsen was undercounting black and brown so we're talking hispanic households by significant margins we're talking over 20 percent each so and that's just what we know of. that's just what we know of rob so it's the the issue is right far yeah. worse than that right so yeah and so um well well let me let me finish this point I got a couple, got, oh my bad my bad i mean my bad they were stripped of their accreditation. They were officially suspended by the VAB. So Nielsen to this day are operating without certification because their numbers are so inaccurate because they've been undercounting black and brown households because they have not been able to accurately account for people who are watching television outside of their households. Um, they're 18 to, to, you know, 45 year old, whomever, male or females, the, the, the quote unquote key demo that everyone thinks they know about, not realizing that every program has a different key demo. Um, not every program is looking to, to attract the same people, by the way, folks, just so you know. But um, right. Right. The, their key demos were completely off because of these dramatic swings of not having proper data when you're when you're under 20 percent when you're close to under 30 percent accuracy on what you're collecting then you're it's it's like the whole thing is wrong you know what i mean so recently and i'll end on this so we know that they lost their accreditation for being inaccurate in the first place recently like within the past week they just admitted that 
whatever they created to try to account for people who are watching television outside of the household in places like bars and airports and what have you, they said that whatever they had going on was so wrong. There was such a major issue that you can't trust anything that they said over the past 18 months. This is Nielsen saying this themselves, right? This is Nielsen admitting that their data is so wrong. And then at some point they're going to have to go back and redo 2020 and try to give uh, and try to correct the problem. So that was for everybody, not just black and brown folk. Anyone who's watching TV out of the household, who's part of the Nielsen um, study group, it was all wrong. Whatever, whatever formula they were using to measure, it was completely wrong. So when we look at the ratings and, and let me bring it back to this point, we're looking at something that is completely imperfect, as we all know, but it's even more imperfect than, than you could even realize, because even the way that they try to collect data to get an idea is so way off. It's embarrassing. But so so we got to go by what we see and what we know, what we understand as fans. We right. know that WWE attracts a, a, a broad range of people because it's family friendly entertainment. So we know that they get kids, they get parents, they get grandparents, they get black, they get white, they get brown, they get Asian, they get everything because that's what you see on the TV screen. You see people that look like that being pushed in prominent roles. So that's why it's easy for everybody to consume it because it's relatable. Now you look at AEW, what do they tout? They tout that their, their average fan has more wealth and is more educated than any other sports brand out there. And what are they really saying? They they tout the quote-unquote key demo. Who are they talking about? Right. AEW yeah. brags about the fact that white males is who their audience is, and that's their target audience, and good for them. Meanwhile, WWE is attracting everybody else. <laughs> right, that's, that's what they go for. Now, a couple, couple of things, all right, because you mentioned... Because uh, you mentioned that the, the key demo is not what everybody is looking for. Because, like, one prime example, all right, CBS. CBS as a network has, they decided decades ago that they don't fool with the key demo. Their, their primetime lineup is basically it's, you have all those procedurals and all those kind of things. And, and basically it's for the 40 and up crowd, for the people who just want to sit down and you know watch something familiar every week and you know where they know what they're getting and you get familiar with the characters and all that kind of thing and and because look a successful show on cbs could go 10 15 seasons right i mean like those ncis and all that stuff and some of those are in like season 12 season 15 right and they have cbs has for a very long time catered towards the older tv audience they don't give a damn about no 18 to 45 and they, and they haven't for a long time. Okay. And they have been very successful doing that very thing. And especially now with, you know, with, with the live TV audience shrinking as it is, it is a pretty smart idea to focus on the people who will still watch live TV, which is mostly older people. Right. It's not, I mean, it's not a bad idea. Right. I mean, and they've been doing it for decades and they've been succeeding. So, you can't, I mean, so that's one thing. Um, as far as the undercounting, um, 
because this guy we both talked to on Twitter, uh, Stephen, he looked into a lot of this stuff too. And um, on average, from what I'm from talking to him, he said on average, Nielsen is undercounted by like margin of error is like 6% just across the board for a while. Um, so you've dealt with politicians. Um, I work for the federal government and I'm a statistics guy. A six, if, you, if, if you worked for a politician and you brought them back a poll with a 6% margin of error, they would throw it in trash. Right. I mean, they would, because a 6% margin of error does not help anybody figure out if you're going to win an election or not. Facts. Fact. It's, it's, okay. it's well beyond the margin of error. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not acceptable. It's no. not acceptable at all. Quite not frankly. at all. <laughs> I mean, cause you know, if, it, if that margin of error gets past like one or two, then it's, it's dicey. And if it's the highest six, then that poll is worthless. So, um, so, so for the black households, I think it was, it was uh, over 24% inaccurate. That, yeah, that so now, was how far down the, 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 the drain they were. So another, so another example, like, um, you know, just remember when we were in college, you, you know, exams are graded on a curve. And I remember just professor saying that if you're more than two standard deviations from the mean, you're failing no matter what, you know, I'm, I'm not giving you, a, you know, you're, you're failing this test if you're that far down. And usually 20% is more than two standard deviations from the mean. So if we're being undercounted by as much as 20% or more, then that's a failing grade, no matter how you look at it. Period. So, so like what does it. that tell you then, uh, uh, Rob, <laughs> overall about AEW? You see that they're not really putting enough skin in the game when it comes to featuring women's wrestling. Um, they are happy with the fact that their fan base is, is pretty homogenous. Would that be the word? It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's not, there's no, there's no real diversity on any large scale within their, their fan base. Um, what's your take on something like that? Um, well, cause see, here's, well, their, their thing has always been, you know, we have this group of people and we're going to make them happy every week. Right. And that's what they do. And cause look, I mean, cause we know, look, WWE is often frustrating. It can be frustrating as hell because for better or worse, you know, they try to, they try to just tell them when they don't pander as much week, you know, week to week to the audience, you know, to the loudest people in the audience. So, and at times that can be very frustrating, you know, just to watch, right. Because some weeks it ain't your week. Right. I mean, um, you know what I mean? Um, but so it's two different approaches. Um, it's just, I think with AEW, it's just that they started with, they started out catering to the the loud disgruntled with WWE wrestling fans. Um, and that is mostly a particular demographic. Um, it, I mean, it just is right. And, and it also started out with, you know, a group of guys who called everybody they knew who was available and brought them in. Right. Um, so and something like yeah, and that wasn't all one you know race of people. They I mean they did have some people, you know, other groups and whatnot when they started. But it's one of those and and but it is one of those things. I'm not going to say it's 100 percent deliberate, 
but I mean, you, you see the results and you see where with somebody like, you know, powerhouse Hobbs, right? I mean, everybody sees the guy on TV and is like, well, y'all should do something with him. And what exactly are they doing? Um, you know, he, you know, he's a guy, look, if, if there's now, look, now, now I've said that, you know, Kyle O'Reilly absolutely should have went to AEW. It was the exact, it was the 100% right move to do. Um, a guy like Hobbs, when that contract is up, he, I, you know, when, when that text comes in from Jean-Paul Levesque or whatever, he better answer it. Um, <laughs> I mean, cause and look, and you can't, I mean, you can't, you can't predict what's going to happen just by going there. But if you were to ask me to project out over five years, you know, where he would have a better chance of being pushed to his potential, I would say it's in the WWE. Um, and whereas with guys like Kyle O'Reilly, it would definitely, you know, Kyle O'Reilly over the next five years is definitely better off in AEW. Um, well said. I mean, because again, you you have a company that is very serious and 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 dedicated to diversifying their roster, and it's clear that they there's no end in sight. I mean, even with this new NIL program next in line, WWE is seeking out the the most elite and diverse group of athletes in the world um, in order to populate right. their, their company. And they want people who have an education or are close to it. And they want people who have worked in team environments and who understand how to work together for a common goal. And generally speaking, especially in America, the, the majority of your elite athletes, they don't all look the same. You know what I right. mean? It's a, it's a diverse group of people. So then you look over at AEW and, and all of these, these indie wrestlers, these guys who do the flippy moves and they think that, uh, you know, doing some kind of uh, hold or, 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 you know, call themselves a real wrestler, whatever the hell that means, because we have NCAA wrestlers in, in, a, in uh, WWE. But, you know, doing all these different holds and things like that are just flippy moves all day long. Those guys, undersized, they have nothing but wrestling. Um, yeah, there's a place for them in AEW because Tony Khan doesn't want to invest in anybody else. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's a mark for that sort of stuff. And good for him. It's his money. You could do what you want, buddy. But here's the problem. Yep. Don't claim that you're for diversity and inclusion. Don't claim that you're so woke when you're putting out garbage like that. That's that's my point. Right. And now now people will counter and say that, well, the counter is always that, you know, well, they sign, you know, well, look at all these folks over here. And but I mean, so, you know, the point to Lee Moriarty, for example, well, and he wrestled CM Punk on Dynamite a few weeks ago. And but a lot of times he's just on the YouTube show, right? I mean, um, there's no I'll say this. All right. Do I think they are deliberately like you know, holding people back or whatever? I don't no, I don't think they're deliberately doing it. I think there's a just a pattern of you know who gets to be on dynamite. And I think also what's happened this year. The, the magic formula for more success is to get people like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. 
people who have been on been on WWE television, right? And who are known to people who may, who don't regularly watch Dynamite. That that is the pattern, that is the thing for success, right? And you know, getting Sting to come in there was a big plus for them. Um and I think that's going to be the if that's going to be the MO, I think, because that's what gets them the most attention, right? It's it's still very much a oh my god, look who just showed up kind of thing. And I mean, you can look at the numbers, even there's more interest in people showing up than there is in what they're they're what they do regularly. There's more interest in or except for when they put them in a big match, right? I mean, when they put Brian and Kenny Omega, that did a big number when they, you know, Brian and Hangman a couple of weeks ago did a better number than usual. Right. But when it when when it's two or three weeks removed from that and they're just having a quote unquote regular episode, um, it's not, you know, it's, it's the same level of interest in there. Right. Um, at least beyond their kind of core audience. Whereas um, with WWE, the variance from week to week, one, like once you you factor out things like Monday night football obviously puts a dent in the numbers on Monday night. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the variance from week to week really isn't that much. It, it just isn't. You're talking like less than 5% from week to week and 5% would be a big jump from week to week for either raw or SmackDown. It's pretty consistent. I mean, there isn't a whole lot of variance Then there isn't a lot of variance for NXT either, but that's what, but it's a different model of doing things. One company is aiming for just a consistent level of interest, profit, et cetera. And the other one is shooting for spikes, basically. And so it's just two different ways of doing things. And big publicly traded company like WWE, you go for the consistent return, right? That's what you do. Uh, you don't you don't go for the spikes. It's like basically it's like it's like investing in the mutual fund, right? I mean, you want your consistent three percent return every year. And you know, and some guy might say, hey, man, come with me. I'll get you 10% this year. Okay, but maybe. But, you know, the next year you might get 1%, right? I mean, the WWE, they're, they're like the they're the 401k, they're the mutual fund. Um, they're the savings account, <laughs> I mean, basically. You know, that's a that's an interesting take there. And and There's, you're not you're not wrong, Rob. That, that's the thing. You're a guy who's looking at it. And based on on what you know, based on what you see, you're you're arriving at conclusions. I I disagree with you on one thing, though. Um, I do feel that it's on purpose because pro wrestling is is predetermined. It's something that someone is is making the matches. In fact, Tony Khan told me himself, I should know. I'm the one who writes all the shows. I'm the one who makes all the matches. He he literally jumped in my inbox to. Oh wow! Give a little hissy fit. <laughs> oh, imagine, imagine the son of a billionaire has time to complain to me about something that's, that I tweeted because I told him, uh, "Yeah, you know that's, what I mean." That's funny, man. That's funny. I basically <laughs> had to let him know that his his team aren't aren't on the same page, and the messaging is confusing. And you know, he complained to me and and told me that the, that they are on the same page, and then I demonstrated to the to him how they are not, including. Things said on his website, match results from AEW Dynamite and recaps on the AEW main website. And Tony Khan didn't even know that existed. He did not even know what was on the website. Yikes. And I, I got the proof. I'm not making this up. <laughs> That's, so, wow. you know, and I, and I had to tell him, you know, so you, you can see where there's a problem here, Tony. It's like you guys got to get on the same page. You know what I mean? Because clearly you're just not. 
Um, and he had to admit that I had a point. So what I'm saying here is I think that Tony's impression of what pro wrestling is based on what he likes, he likes to see th- what was very popular during the, the end of the ECW era. And I'm not talking the WWE version either. I'm talking the original ECW, the end of that era. He likes to see um, to a certain degree the the Ring of Honor era from five years ago when, you know, guys like the elite were running wild and what have you. He wants to see mid-sized white guys run around and, and, and do crazy things and flippy moves and what have you and then pat themselves on the back and claim that they had a five-star match. I mean, that's, that's what he likes, and I understand that. But that's not what he marketed to us when he created this company. And that's not what he markets to us when he's doing interviews in the media. So the messaging is completely counter to what they're delivering on. That's called a bait and switch. It's underhanded. It's unethical. And quite frankly, it's unacceptable. So when it comes to black male singles wrestlers in particular, and you mentioned Lee Mariotti, when's the last time Lee Mariotti was on TV and won a singles match. It hasn't happened. Right. right? Now so, he was on a few, he was on yeah, he was on a few weeks ago CM Punk and of course he lost. He lost, right? So and, and this is the thing, the black male singles wrestlers are the primary losers in AEW and we don't have to this isn't a, a, a an assumption by me. Just look at the records and I've done it. You you take all of their wins and all of their losses and you come up with a percentage and then you compare that to their white peers and what do you have there? You know what I mean? So the entire women's division and the black male singles wrestlers are all in the same boat. They are featured the least and they are featured as less than their white male counterparts in AEW. And it's not just less than it's like significantly less than like you don't matter compared to these other guys. You know what I mean? And then when, when you look at people with less experience, like a like a jungle boy or like a, a Wardlow or like Gun Club, or like Hook. How is Hook being featured more than Sonny Kiss? How is Hook? (laughs) Why does Hook have more wins on TV than Sonny Kiss, Sean Dean, and Lee Moriarty put together? How is that possible that Hook has more wins on TV than those guys put together, right? Hook has more wins in 2021 on TV and AEW he has he has the same amount of wins as Ricky Starks in 2021. Does that even make sense? Hook, Hook can't even cut a promo. And he certainly doesn't know how to wrestle. He's still learning. He's a rookie. He's, he's, he's green. He'll get there, but he ain't there yet. So this is a concerted effort by Tony Khan to feature what he likes. Again, fine. But don't don't tell me that it's chicken salad when it's chicken crap. Because now you're insulting my intelligence right, now, here, you know? Right. Now, in regards to the hook, because he's become like this this phenomenon, basically, right? Now, and which is why he's being featured like he is. But they took the time and effort to present him such a way that he became a phenomenon. Like, let's go back to Bill Goldberg. Like, the first couple of months on the roster, it was like, okay, Bill's a big guy. And he can do a couple of things. Okay, this my guy might be something, right? And then one day they decided 
to give him the police escort and the pyro and the 30 second squashes. Right. I mean, the first month or so he wasn't doing that. They decided they made, they decided that this, okay, that this guy, you know, he has the right look and the right everything. So instead of just having him work matches and, you know, we're going to make him a thing, right. They decided to make Bill Goldberg a thing after like a couple of months, he was always promising as a prospect, but they decided to make him that, that because they, I mean, they saw the potential in him and look, you, you cannot make everybody or just anybody a thing, right? You can't, some people have it. Some people don't. Right. But when they saw that he had it, they decided that we're, you know, we're going to go from zero to a hundred with this thing, Agreed. which is, which Agreed. is what they've done with, which is what they've done with hook. Hook is a good looking kid. And, all of that and he has you know the there's the, there's enough raw material there to see that yes he can be a thing so and they've just and but they made a decision to do that so now, Whereas, now name me a black wrestler that they've done that with nobody and that's I my mean, point and that's and that's, and that's my point and that's the thing because and look, look if we look at like okay big e for a while i mean for those first couple of years he was just kind of even when he was just kind of slumming along he was still the Intercontinental Champion. He was winning belts. They were putting belts on the guy. <laughs> even, right, even, even as, you know, again, again, even as they hadn't quite figured out what to do with him, even before, you know, the stuff with New Day started, right? They were, he was still winning stuff, even while they didn't quite know what to do with him. Okay. Um, and, and that's the difference. So now with a guy like Hobbs, he should at least, I mean, when, and, no, no, they'll tell you we got a limited amount of time, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, yes. All right. Um, but there are some, I mean, you can look at the lineup on those shows from week to week. And there are definitely some guys who don't need to be on there <laughs> instead of him, right? And as we go into this, you know, if we go back to the discussion of women's wrestling, you can look at, you know, you know Raw and SmackDown week to week, and you can see things that can either be not on there every week or can be cut back, right, to give more time. Um, somebody like Hobbs should get more time. He should beat people, he, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And like, so they're not even like doing that. Right. Um, so what does that tell you? Um, well, the definitely, a, well, decisions are being made. Right. And so, yeah. And so at the end, and I was enough, you asked me, well, how, well, how good can he possibly be? Um, we don't know, but he can be more than he is. Um, and right now, I mean, I mean, his biggest, the biggest thing he's done to date, as far as I know, is he lost a match to CM Punk. Brother, and- I'm telling you, this is, this is something that is going to continue to be a hot-button issue for them because the dedication that they're showing to getting guys like Hook and Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy, they put a lot into getting these guys over. And, it, and it's commendable because, you know, for the most part, for the AEW audience, it's working, but right. there's not a single black male singles wrestler that they are putting any of this type of effort into, and it would be wrong of me not to point that out because it's so glaring. It's so it's it's so clear that this is a, a thing that they're just not committed to. You know what I mean? Right, and that's and that's and. And it's like, if you want to point out the differences, that those are the differences, right? I mean, 
or if you look over to Impact, even right, they put effort into Rich Swan. Rich Swan, who was you know cruiserweight guy, who honestly I didn't honestly think very much of as far as being a any type of potential world champion. I, I didn't think much of him. Okay, like Impact put effort into him. All right, um, and of course they pissed it all away for Kenny Omega, but you know, um, but still, <laughs> but but before that, they I mean they put effort in, and you know, Ring of Honor put effort into Jonathan Gresham. They put effort into Shane Taylor Promotions. Okay. Um, you know, they put effort into Jay Lethal, right? I mean, um, so they did that. All right. And, and again, because that's always one of my things with these conversations is uh, you can set aside WWE for a minute, right? You set them aside and you can just look at what Ring of Honor, what Impact have done in the past couple of years. Okay. So compare them to that and they still come up short. Well said. Well right. said. Because, you know, because, because we don't, you know, you, you know, we, you know, you always, things always turn into the AEW versus WWE, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. Leave WWE out of it for a minute. Compare them to Impact, compare them to Ring of Honor, and they still come up lacking. Yeah. Okay. Um, MLW, when MLW restarted back around, but 2017, I think it was, the first champion was Swerve. 2017. They were just starting. And Swerve was not, you? you know, Swerve was not, Swerve was not, you know, the rock as far as be, being well known or anything. I mean, we know Swerve. I mean, I'd heard of him back then, but didn't really know anything about him. And when they started back up, he was their first champion. Okay. So, I mean, compare them to these other people and they come up lacking. All right. Um, and MLW right now is making a big deal out of, you know, with Alex Kane, suplex assassin. He's the open weight champion now. Ain't been there but a few months, right? Um, they're making a big deal out of Calvin Tankman, right? Um, so these other people are doing it, right? You, you know, you, you know, th again, throw out WWE because you get into tribalism and all that stuff. All right. These other people are doing it. So yeah. compare, compare yourself to them. And they, and they got, and they don't have the budget. They don't have, anywhere the amount of TV exposure that you have and they're doing better. So explain that. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what, what I, what I appreciate, what I appreciate about you is that you're, you're fair and your assessment is balanced and it's clear that you're just pointing out the the obvious issue that's in front of us here. It's not like you're trying to maliciously go after AEW or anything ridiculous like that. You're a guy who who looked at the numbers. You're a guy that um, has seen what they have to offer, and certainly there's plenty of room for improvement. And, 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 am I right on that? Yes, and and look and and look and you know and then you know even with you know what. You know, WWE is doing the past few years. That's the result of decades of people being on their ass. Okay, um, so you should expect people to be on yours until until you until, until you start doing things differently. Like, I mean, people have been riding. You know, the WWE when it was still the WWF. Okay, people were complaining. You know, well, how come Bad News Brown doesn't get to win the title sometime? Okay, that was in the 1980s. Okay, I mean, 
people have been on their behind for decades. And it took that to get them to where they are today. Now, so you're not immune from that. Don't think that people, I mean, why should you get a break? <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I mean, we've been on them for decades. All right. It, no, we're not going to give you a break. Okay. And you're coming in with all of the historical knowledge of all of that too. All right. If anybody should know what not to do on that front, it's people who are starting more recently and who have all that history they can look back on. Okay. Um, so they should be coming in with a better idea of what to do from the beginning because you got history to look back on. You're not coming into this blind. So yeah, people are going to be on you. They're going to be on you early and they're not going to let up. Well said. And, it, 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 and, and we're not letting them on WWE. We're not letting up on them. Okay. People, I mean, every day you see people still pissed about what happened at SummerSlam with the uh, Bianca and right. I mean, People are still pissed off about that. They, they they haven't let up. People are still pissed about Kofi and Brock Lesnar. They haven't let up. That's you still see people talking about that, right? I mean, so it doesn't end. You know, no, we gonna be on you every day because we on everybody else every day. Mm. Mm. You know, nobody nobody gets a break, okay? <laughs> and just you know, just because we're saying. You know, company X is is doing a good job today. That doesn't mean we letting up on them. Okay. Um, the Ring of Honor starts back up in April. You know, knock on wood, they start back up like they're promising. You know, they're going to have to live up to their recent history as far as what they're doing. And if when they start back up, they're, if, they, if they're not living up to their recent history and when they start back up, we're going to be on them too. Well said. Well said. Listen, Rob, why don't you let everybody know the best way that they can check you out online if they want to get more information about some of the stuff that you're covering, especially um, the analytical stuff, especially the fact that you're digging into the numbers because you're a mathematician. What's the best way to to keep up with you? Okay, well, as far as this this uh, women's wrestling project I've been doing. um, So I have an ongoing I have a I have my own website. It's robsagenius.com, All one word. And so, and I have a, it's, I have a piece there that's called, uh, it's women's wrestling on TV. Uh, you got to scroll down a little bit to get to it. And it's one that I've been just constantly updating as, you know, more information has come in. And since we're just about, at the end, we're just about finished with everybody's shows for the year. I think actually uh, tonight's episode of dynamite will be the last thing I got to log in and then that'll be it. So the, the finished product will be probably sometime next week um and that's and i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the averages i came up with i'm you know going to detail about the differences between different programs i'll look at some historical stuff that i looked at and all of that and so you can find and then you can find me on twitter at r b o n n e one i'll be tweeting out some stuff about this also um those are the best places. And I'm also, well, I'm on a wrestling podcast every week, the mindless wrestling podcast every week with DJ and Jason. We talk about a bunch of different things. Um, those are the best places um, to hear me or see what I'm saying. And cause there's a lot to unpack. Um, and like you said, WWE is not doing a perfect job either. And the, you know, just to, the biggest thing with them is it's very top heavy. 
you know, it's, you know, there's hurts and there's not exactly <laughs> as far as how they distribute things on the women's side. Um, and I'll go into detail about that there, but those, yeah, those are the, those are the fastest and easiest ways to, to find me. Great stuff there from Rob, the genius still sipping on my Panera bread, Panera plus coffee here. Really interesting. You know, and I, I'm not going to add anything more to that because listen, we know what we see. You can't deny it. And now, you know, when you have the numbers to back it up, what do you say to that? We know what we see. Stop trying to pretend like the things that are there aren't there. That's silly. That's embarrassing. Instead, let's hold these these companies accountable for fixing some of these problems. Isn't that the way it should be? Who knows? Who knows? Thank you again, Rob. Good guy. Real good guy. Uh, up next, in fact, we're just going to jump right into it. My conversation about New Japan Pro Wrestling with the one and the only Marie Shadows. I'm not an expert. Okay, let me just make this clear because I know a lot of the humanoids out there, they, they think that I think I know everything, and it's the complete opposite. I, I know very little, which is why on this show, Duke Loves Wrestling, I have a guest damn near every week. Because I need the real experts to come on here and help me. You know what I mean? Educate me because I don't know anything (laughs) until they educate me. And certainly when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling in particular, there is one person that I know I can count on who will deliver the goods. She will let me know what's going on. She'll keep me up to date. And that's why um, she's so important. In addition to that, she is a a great cook, so I'm always getting recipe ideas from her, and I'm always showing her my food to try to show off and try to make it seem like I'm doing something uh, fancier than she is, and and she just humors me for some strange reason, but I know she's calling me a uh, pandejo uh, behind my back. That's what I've been told. Uh, You know, for all you folks that don't speak Spanish, don't even try to look up that word. It's a bad word, and you know, Duke doesn't normally cuss, so... There's my one for the year right there for 2022. I'll try not to cuss anymore. But anyway, without further ado, welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling. My sister, legitimately uh, one of my favorite people out there. She is just so cool and and, and really just a pleasure to uh, be connected with. I'm talking about the one, the only Marie Shadows. What's going on, Marie? Yo, I love that intro. And I love that you said the word pendejo. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> I'm like cheesy, smiley on the on the other side. Like, <laughs> that's so fun. Well, I listen, it. It, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy. I'm international Duke. You know that. All right? I, I've been around a, a, a lot of folks from all over the world. And I'm a culture guy, as you know, which is why we talk about food so much, Marie. Yeah. So, yeah, I've picked up a few words along the way. And it's usually words that people say to me. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> well, just so you know, whenever I see your food pics, I do not call you a bendejo at all. Oh, like yeah. that word for me is reserved for people that like deserve that word. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Marie. You know, you could you could say whatever you want in front of me, but I've I've spoken to uh, Adam from Foundation Radio and I've spoken to Candace Cordelia. And from what I understand, uh, the three of you enjoy uh, making up interesting words to describe me, and none of them are good. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, I know what's going okay. on here. <laughs> but listen, Marie, you're you're somebody who is very passionate about pro wrestling. 
uh, just like you were, you're passionate about writing. You're a very creative person. And I know that New Japan Pro Wrestling in particular is something that you've you've dedicated a lot of time and, and interest into. Um, so I wanted you to come on and just kind of catch me up a little bit, because here's my dilemma. I'm an old school guy. I'm, I'm a guy that grew up tape trading and, and, you know, Japan has always been something that I'm interested in from a cultural standpoint. And when it comes to mixed martial arts, when it comes to wrestling, you know, combat sports in particular, I like to know what's going on in Japan because they just they have an interesting uh, approach to presenting all of that. And certainly with New Japan Pro Wrestling, I, I kept up with them for many years. You know, I loved uh, uh, Masachono and some of the things that, that he was doing. Uh, you know, in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, I, I I kept up all the way up to Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, who I love. And something strange happened, though. Once he left, I started to lose interest. And, and really, it was Kenny Omega and the elite uh, Omega's series with Okada that that pretty much pushed me away for good because I felt that Omega was was uh, proving himself to be under uh, overrated, excuse me. And Okada being just tremendous, but not interesting enough beyond bell to bell for me to, to continue to pay attention. So I, I read the results and I really listen to what you have to say. And that's the only way that I stay connected with New Japan Pro Wrestling today. And I know that people listening right now, they may not be as up to date with the current incarnation of New Japan. So you're really going to do us a solid here and kind of catch us up. So so let's look back to 2021. If you okay. could name one wrestler in 2021, I'm not asking you for your favorite wrestler in New Japan, but I'm asking you for the one wrestler who really exceeded expectations, who really put on some great matches and had a, a, a great storyline arc in 2021. Who can listeners just dial up on YouTube and check out their stuff in order to get more interested in new Japan. Who's that one wrestler that you would say? So I know you said one wrestler, but um, with 2021, it kind of got broken up in like into two sessions only because at the beginning of the year, it was really hot and like popping off and they had like really great storylines, especially with um, Jay White being one of them and going back and forth with Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom at the beginning and then doing the New Japan Cup, but then he lost in that during March. Um, so Jay White is obviously one. Um, and then the second one would definitely be have to be uh, Tama during his G1 run this year, along with his brother Loa, because them as singles wrestlers, no one really sees them as singles wrestlers anyway. We always uh, say that they're a tag team, and they're great as a tag team, but as singles competitors, they are... Um, really really great i am going to follow up saying that um i should talk about the one shocker of the year of of show fitting very well into bullet club after uh betraying his longtime tag team partner of yo and destroying rapungi 3k and leaving chaos so those are like the three you guys gotta check out okay so that's that's really interesting here so so dig a little deeper for me okay so so if I'm going to watch, let's take Jay White, for example, because I know that he's currently doing a tour of the United States, and I know that he's somebody that people really don't know much about. 
Um, if you're not watching New Japan Pro Wrestling actively, you don't know why Jay White is someone that you should be paying attention to. So in 2021, I'm not asking for his history, but in 2021 specifically, what was it about Jay White that you feel is a reason why people should should look back at his stuff during that year? It's the way he tells his stories, the way that he picks the psychology whenever he's in matches. He does tiny little details in those matches that ever that uh, elevate the in-ring story ability. Um, when he's on the mic, he tells a beautiful story that like connects the dots. And then obviously his Twitter game is like best out of everyone else um, that continues uh, stories and feuds. So it's all about the storytelling ability that Jay White has that makes him an all round uh, competitor and person to like watch. What about uh, Tama Tunga and, and, and his partner? Talk to me about that. What, what is so special about these guys and, and what matches in particular were you interested in the most? When it comes to Tama and Loa, they are really great and strong as a tag team. I pointed this out on my own podcast about how um, Tama is definitely the uh, shit talker. So you're going to have him go up first and get under your skin while you have the muscle in the background, which is Loa, to uh, deliver those power moves. And they just work so well together, not only because they're brothers, it's just that they have this undeniable chemistry in the ring. And then when they do backstage comments, sometimes Loa does have some comments to say, but not all the time. The stronger talker, in my opinion, is definitely Tama because he could get under anybody's skin. Even the fans don't like him and they're like, you know, I don't like this guy. Uh, the reason why you don't like him is because he says a lot of truths and then he just talks shit. And, you know, you have that one friend that talks shit and, you know, you don't like them either, but you still stay friends with them. They had very great matches with um, Dangerous Techers, which is the team of Zack Zaber Jr. and Tai Chi, part of Suzuki Goon. They have great matches with Goto and Yoshihashi, and also a combination of Goto, Yoshihashi, and Ishii from Chaos. Whenever you see Chaos, you're going to see Bullet Club because they go head to head. And sometimes it can get boring, but it's still fun to watch. Um, and then, you know, just for this past, G1 when Tama took on Okada and the G1 and then also at power struggle those two matches I wasn't expecting them to be great and then for Loa to take on um his opponents during G1 were also great and like an eye opener I got to I got to be honest with you Marie and I know that these are your 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 friends I know that these are two people that you have a lot of respect and admiration for. And, and I've seen the way that they have shown you respect and admiration in return, but I never liked Tama. I think really? he's a loud mouth. <laughs> I, I don't like the way that he, um, he, he, he has a thing where when he's talking and he thinks he's being a big shot, he starts uh, squinting his eyes a little bit. Um, I don't like it. I guess this is his way of trying to convey he's being serious. I want Tama to to stop squinting his eyes. I want him to grow his hair back because I don't like his haircut. <laughs> I, I want Tama to um, recognize that it is his tag team partner who carries that team and that he should take more of a backseat role and let the other guy 
What was he? What, what was his name in WWE? What, what, what do they call him? Oh, in man, we're going all the way back. What did they call? Oh, was it Camacho? Great. What was yes. it? What was his name? Yes. Camacho. Yeah, I like Camacho. Camacho is my kind of guy. Camacho's in better shape. He's a better wrestler. He can cut a better promo. He's more handsome. I like Camacho. Tama, <laughs> I don't like. So, Tama, if you're listening, I just want you to know out of everybody in your family, uh, you're my least favorite person, including your whole household. Like your wife is 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 somebody that I like more than you. And I don't even know who she is. Uh, Tama, I just don't like you. So the, the best part about that is I will tune in to watch you get beat up. That's how much I don't like you, Tama. And, and let, let's make no mistake about it. Tama, you can crush me. I get that. You could beat the hell out of me. You, you, you know what I mean? You're 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 a cool guy. You're a tough guy uh, against me. But you're not a cool guy. You're not a tough guy against uh, the rest of the competitors in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that's why I just, you know, I, I could I, I don't I have no time for you. I like your your cousin, though, because he's actually a better wrestler, more handsome. Uh, he, he's in much better shape. He can cut a much better promo. And that's why he was Camacho in the WWE, because he gets it. You, done. you mean his brother? You call him uh, his cousin. Are they really brothers? I always yes. thought they were lying about being brothers and they're just they're really cousins. What, what's the no. truth? Here? No, no. They're, they're actually brothers. brothers. Yeah. So that's even worse. So so basically Camacho <laughs> got all of the gifts and Tama got all the leftovers. And that's why he walks around talking all big and tough, because he's trying to convince somebody of something. When in reality, his daddy and his brother are the, are the real and his wife are the real stars in that family. That's what's going on. Right. Are we are we gonna include Hikaleo in this? Because yes, Hikaleo yeah. too. Who's that? The tall guy? Is that the tall yes, guy? Yes, he yeah he appeared on AEW with with uh, Haku. I wasn't I wasn't impressed with the way that AEW presented him because I know that he's actually much better than what they they forced him into. Who yeah, did he I go know. against? He went against uh, Archer, uh, right? Le- yeah, Which Archer for the IWGP United he, States Heavyweight Championship. And Lance Lance Archer is 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 a waste of time. I never liked him. Uh, he's another wow. one. He wants to do flippy moves when he's like 10 feet tall. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but but yeah, I like pick I'll, Piccolo, Piccolo. What's his name? Piccolo. <laughs> Hikaleo. Uh, That's right. <laughs> yes, I like him, too, because he has long hair, because he he he's actually in great shape and because he doesn't run around and talk like a tough guy. He just is a tough guy. Tamatunga. I don't like him. OK, I think he needs to he needs to go into he looks like the guy who works at Best Buy. He's part of the geek squad. So I, I will call Tomatonga if I want my computer fixed, but I'm not calling Tomatonga if I want to see a good wrestler. OK, so I'll just I'll leave it at that. I know that I just got you a lot of heat, Marie. I know I just did that. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. did. <laughs> Definitely got a lot of heat. I'm, I'm over here like, wow, okay, that's a lot to take in. You know, I I could just uh, give him the link to this episode. He could hear it. But, um, you know, Tama definitely proved himself during the G1, uh, so much so that Tanahashi gave him props. So if Tanahashi is giving you props for surviving the G1, then, like, you're something. Isn't Tanahashi kind of old, though? Like, I think that maybe he's a little senile. He might have mixed those two guys up. He might have been talking about Camacho, but he accidentally uh, said that uh, Tama Tonga. That, that could be one of those deals, don't you think? Uh, no, I don't think so, man. You know, uh, Tanahashi is the ace. Uh, and, you know, he knows like what Tanahashi. he's talking about. I like Tanahashi. Tanahashi is my kind of guy because he's a rock star. Um, and he's a guy that, 
in all seriousness, he looks like he's a nice guy, but behind the scenes, I hear that he slaps uh, the the other people around and lets them know they better get their act together. I like Tanahashi. That's that's my kind of guy. I'm not I'm not impressed with people like Tama Tonga. I'm 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 barely I'm barely impressed with the Rainmaker. Okay, Okada. I'm more of a really? Tanahashi kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a Tanahashi. Listen, Okada with the blonde hair and the nonsense. I'm a Tanahashi kind of guy. I just want to say that. There's no two ways about it. Uh, just like I'm a Nakamura guy. And, and you know, I'm so glad that Nakamura went to a, a promotion that was worth going to. Um, so he doesn't have to hang out with Tama Tonga anymore. But that's another story. OK, wow. so so now that we've gotten out of the way, I, I have some questions about some other people here. What of is course. a stone pit bull? What, what is that? Oh, Ishii. Oh, my God. Ishii, like, Ishii has a soft spot, like, in my heart. I got a, I got a spot for him. So, basically, the way that he comes out, he stares daggers into your fucking soul, and you just want to go hide. He's, like, the epitome of, like, a horror character just because of, like, how he looks at you. He doesn't have to say much. He lets his... Uh, body language do the work for him when he's telling great stories and uh he was uh when he was facing uh jay white earlier in uh, 2021 um that was like a very beautiful feud for me only because like jay would be like the very loud mouth and definitely like get on ishi's bad side and like talk all this shit ishi would be upset and use his body language to convey what you know he's what he want to talk about and like he just doesn't really cut promos but that stone pit bull just refers to him of his like overall physique the way he comes to the ring the way he demands well i should say commands commands um the in-ring ability uh between him and his opponents so he really does a good job of that it's just his personality that's what like the stone pit bull kind of is i still don't know what a stone pit bull is i i is that is that like a, a sculpture uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to think about it. It's definitely a sculpture, obviously, stone pit bull. But it's like when you have a pit bull and you have like the purest breed of a pit bull and they just have that stone feature like of that. You could think of it like being cold, being like um, very rugged and like rigid in a way. So like it's one of those that like, you can't really move them, move them. If that makes sense. Well, fair enough. And listen, I, I kind of like Ishii because he's a goof. I just I, I, I look at him. and I said, this is goofy. He's a stone pit bull. I don't know what a stone pit bull is, but he comes out and he believes and he gets in there. And that brother right there, 100 percent bell to bell. I don't even feel like he's he's doing a gimmick. I think that's really who he is. He's just a, a very serious guy who believes in himself. And I can get behind that. Unlike Tama Tonga, who. <laughs> needs to frow he needs to frow his eyebrows and 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 squint his eyes and you know me I'm Tama I'm a tough guy yeah whatever stone pitbull I can get behind a guy like that Tanahashi Camacho these are my guys in New Japan Pro Wrestling okay well hey Tama Tama and and Loa have uh you know their reign as tag team champions their seven time so you know you gotta stop talking shit about Tama <laughs> Well, yeah, okay, okay, I'll, I'll try, but I don't know, man. I just that guy, he he kind of rubs me the wrong way, and even when he's all bouncing around to the ring like he can dance, he can't dance. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> uh, so that's another thing. It's like, buddy, you can't dance. Do you uh, want to challenge him to a dance off? Am I hearing that? Well, listen, I don't. I would embarrass him because here's what you, here's what you don't know, Marie. Uh, I used to take swing, waltz, merengue. Oh, I shit. used to take bossa nova. 
I, I think you need to understand I, the Duke can dance. So, you know, Tama Tonga, and, and I don't have to, to squint my eyes when I'm getting serious. Okay. That's another thing, too. So, you know, just watch, watch this guy. The next time you see him and he's talking, when he wants to get serious, watch his eyes. That's the one thing I don't like about the guy. He does this thing, and it's like, buddy, why are you doing that? Don't do that. What, what is it? What was the name of that, 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 um, that movie? Was it Blue Steel? What was the name of the movie where the guy from Something About Mary starred in it? What is it? Ben Stiller. I have no idea. It. I don't watch. It, what, I don't watch that many movies and I'm really bad as a reference. I think it was called the smoldering look. Like he thinks he's some kind of model or something oh. where he has to, you know, you know, he has to squint his eyes and he has to, he's looking mysterious, so, please. So basically it's what the rock does in like, um, in, in, uh, what is it? The jungle? No, not the jungle book. No, wrong thing. Yes. Um, the movie. I know the one you're oh. talking about. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's exactly so it's basically it. the rock. Yes. Smoldering. Well, that's, you know, that's, this is who Tama wants to be. He wants to be the rock, but the problem is Tama, you have not drank enough protein shakes. My brother, you could never be the rock. Okay. And you can never eat as much pizza (laughs) as the rock eats and then get in the gym and push as many weights. Like buddy, you'll never be the rock. I'll never be the rock. I'll never be you. I can't grow as much hair as you can, but here's what I can do. I can tell you that your brother is a better wrestler than you. Okay, let's move on here, because I don't know why I keep coming back to Thomas. It's very interesting. Um, I want to talk about this. Uh, what is it? Hamiru? Am I saying his name right? Himaru? Hiromu? Hiromu. What's going on with Hiromu? Oh, I love Hiromu. Uh, Hiromu, uh, right now, he is the winner of the Best of the Super Juniors. So that means that he gets a title shot against uh, El Desperado for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship title. Uh, He just came back from recovering from injury. Uh, He sustained that, like, I think in, like, in the beginning of 2021, when they were doing a house show that wasn't televised and he accidentally did a move wrong and he like separated um like uh a muscle like in his shoulders slash like bicep area so he had to like uh get that fixed now he's back and uh trying to prove himself uh he's a very colorful guy like i really do love this guy well i like him as well he walks around with a teddy bear i'm a teddy bear guy i like to do that so i think i i uh hiromu that's that's the way you pronounce his name right yeah, Hiromu. Okay, I like Hiromu. I think Hiromu is built for the American audience. He's colorful. He's yes. weird. He's yes. interesting. Um, I like him. I, I, in fact, you know what? I, I would love to see Hiromu versus Sonny Kiss. I with with, with Sasha Banks as the referee. I, just the three of them in the ring at the same time. I want to see that, and 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 we can have uh, Naomi be you know, the enforcer on the outside. I just give me colors. I just want colors everywhere. That's all I want. I want to, I want a big bowl of colors. Okay. Can, can you make that happen? Marie, I know you're connected. I mean, I'll put it out there into the universe and see what happens. Okay. Good. Um, but I would really love to see that. Wouldn't that be awesome. If we had Hiromu versus sunny kiss, that would just be an incredible match. It would okay? be. It, see, I'm telling you, I, I know these things. I'm a creative guy. Um, <laughs> Okay, so we so we talked about Hiromu. Now, what about Okada? What is Okada doing right now? Because clearly he's doing everything but be champion in New Japan. Um, well, he declared himself champion after uh, winning the uh, G1 because unfortunately 
Kota Ibushi uh, did a top rope move and landed badly on his like arm. So he like dislocated not only his elbow, but also hurt like his shoulder and, and stuff. So he's out of action for um, a while. Um, but because he won the G1, you're supposed to travel around with like a briefcase. So it's similar to like when you win money in the bank uh, type of deal. Um, the briefcase grants you a championship title against uh, the champion, which is Shingo. But Will Ospreay will say differently because Will Ospreay thinks that he's still the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion because he never uh, submitted it. He just had to give the belt up ever since he got injured. But Okada, being Okada, took out the previous belt, which is like version four of uh, New Japan's belt before they did the whole uh, combining of the IC and the original belt um, to get that butterfly belt. Um so right now he's going around with this title and he thinks that he is a uh, champion. Well, I, I guess this is kind of dysfunctional when you can just declare yourself champion. I, I would imagine that people should have to compete for that, but that's interesting. Okay. Um, so here's what I'll say to, to Okada. Uh, you're barely better than Kenny Omega. I, I commend you for carrying him because he's terrible, but you're literally the least most interesting guy in new Japan out of that whole class of people that made that company. You had guys like Prince Devitt, you had guys like uh, Nakamura, you know, you had, you had people in that company who made it interesting and you were not one of them. Tanahashi, you were not one of them. Okay. So to declare yourself champion is a, is a pretty interesting move there. And I hope the stone pit bull just bites you. Because that's just ridiculous. I've never heard of something so ridiculous before. Well, hold on. Before you uh, continue on from there. Uh, so the Stone Pitbull and Okada are in the same uh, faction as Chaos. Chaos is this huge-ass group of wrestlers that include uh, the Stone Pitbull, Ishii, along with Goto, uh, Yoshihashi, um, and Robbie Eagles is in there, too. Um, there's a whole bunch of guys, including um, Rocky is part of Chaos, uh, we had best friends, and I'm guessing uh, Chris Statlander, also part of Chaos because they just got uh, into there. So like, I think somebody said that Chaos has like 26 members, and Okada is the leader of Chaos. Uh, and I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out all the members of Chaos. But the Stone Pitbull will not bite uh, Okada because nobody in that group is going to go against Okada to like either face him one-on-one or try to like get in on this like championship battle that we're going to be having come Wrestle Kingdom. So it's kind of odd. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't know why Chris Statlander is there because New Japan Pro Wrestling is the absolute most disgraceful company on the planet because they don't have a women's division. So it is kind of odd that like what's Chris Statlander going to do in New Japan? Is she going to walk around well, and say I, she's an I alien? Only, <laughs> I mean, it'll probably get over with the fans, but um, I only included Chris because she's part of like best friends, part of that circle. So like if best if best friends are part of chaos, I'm just throwing her in there because she's associated with best friends. I don't really know, like, you know, if she's really like part of chaos or not, but she could go to stardom if she ever wanted to wrestle there. Is, but is stardom New Japan Pro Wrestling? Uh Stardom is owned by uh, like Bushi Road, uh, even though wait Bushi Road is still part of New Japan. Stardom and New Japan are like separate. 
they they really keep their divisions uh separate. So the females all all face females, and then all the men face all men in like New Japan. That that's what that's how it's always been. Okay, so the only thing that I've ever seen in in New Japan pro wrestling when it comes to women is them being scantily clad and wiggling. So un- unless Chris Statlander is going to show up and wiggle, I don't know. I don't I don't know how that's going to work out because she's not. I mean, unless she, China wrestled in New Japan, let me take that back. She did wrestle. So maybe Chris Statlander, they'll give her a match. Who knows? You know, maybe. Um, I mean, uh, the president of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, I mean, he he's in the business to make dream matches. You never know if like they're going to like evolve because there are instances where, you know, New Japan is doing things a little bit different than what they would have done like, you know, 10 years ago and keep like traditions. Um, they're like, you know, for Wrestle Kingdom this year, we're having a stardom match um, again. Um, in 2021, we had a stardom match and they, they received very great reviews for it. So they, they are bringing the women uh, to be on the New Japan cards for like big events. Wow. This is a this is the latest development for me. So that's great to know, because, you know, I probably would be more interested in New Japan pro wrestling if they showed women's wrestling a, a lot more respect. So that would be great because, you know, AEW scrapes the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the way that they present women's wrestling. So New yeah. Japan Pro Wrestling, it's not like the bar is set so high. You could you could outdo them pretty easily. And I hope you do. Let, let me ask you this, Marie, because you're somebody I know who keeps up and is plugged in. What's the story with the expansion into America? I mean, is New Japan still doing that or is that something that's been put on hold because of the pandemic? Um, their expansion is still in America, uh, uh, in the States. Uh, we see it that um, New Japan Strong is definitely having a good tour out here in the States. There are fans that are interested and will go and support. As far as this forbidden door that's always being talked about, um, you know, apparently they still have their deal with AEW here and there. Um, and then they still have their deal with Impact. As you can see, we still have Hikaleo and Chris Bay showing up. Uh, uh, Finn Juice will show up from time to time. Um, and that's basically about it. Um, I would think that it's still a healthy relationship. It's not as strong as like maybe it should be, but it's definitely a healthy relationship. We'll see what happens in 2022 as it like as the year goes on. But I could definitely say that uh, New Japan and WWE ain't doing shit together. So, you know, that's a plus. Well, I, I just want to say this, you know, Marie Shadows is such an advocate for New Japan pro wrestling. If you're serious about expanding into the American market, you need to figure out a way to do some serious collaboration with this woman because I don't know anyone who has spent more time promoting New Japan pro wrestling and really helping others in America, a market that's still relatively, you know, we're just not dialed in with NJPW. Uh, Marie has spent a lot of time keeping us up to date and and keeping our finger on the pulse enough that we still even consider new Japan. So, you know, you're, you're messing up if you think you can expand into the American market and you're not finding a way to legitimately collaborate with Marie shadows. I mean, she should be on the payroll. You know what I mean? And whether we're talking from a creative standpoint, whether we're talking from a media marketing standpoint, something uh, new Japan, Marie Shadows. I mean, there's, she's proven herself to be dedicated to what you bring to the table. 
you folks got to find a way to work with this woman because she's fantastic and she she means it. It's not an act. It's not a joke. Um, it doesn't benefit her to put New Japan over as much as she does. And yet that's exactly what she does. And I commend her for it because I, I measure people by that. Are you really dedicated? Are you really serious about what you're putting out to the world? Um, when it doesn't benefit you, you're still doing it. That lets me know that you're, you're about it. And Marie Shadow is 100% yeah. is about it. So no two ways about um, that. There. And, to, and to add on to that, like the reason why I gravitate more towards New Japan um, than like most of the other um, companies with exception to like MOW, it's because of the storytelling is because they know how to still keep it kayfabe. And I'm not worried about, you know, a wrestler's personal life. I'm worried about the character and the story that they're trying to tell. And my job with my own podcast is to let fans know this is why it's happening. Let me break it down for you guys. Let me help you appreciate it the same way that I appreciate it. And it's just, you know, authentic uh, wrestlers being themselves and getting stories over and trying to tell either, you know, they're trying to reach a goal um, they're trying to reach um, the championship title. That's the most prestigious belt in all of professional wrestling. And they make it a combat sport. Um, I don't really do this because, you know, it's a trend. Like, I really love professional wrestling and I love what New Japan brings to the table. And every single wrestler that has passed through New Japan always has their own quirky personalities that work well with New Japan, especially with like the vision of New Japan being like the lion, like the, you know, being ferocious and ambitious and confident in whatever you do. And that just helps a little bit more with how I examine uh, New Japan wrestling as like a whole. She just hit it right on the head and you're absolutely right. That's, that's a great um, point that you make there. And that's exactly why, again, they need to find a way to make it work. For sure. Why don't you let everybody know, Marie, what's the best way they can keep up with you and what you're putting out to the world, um, especially promoters like the folks over at New Japan, if they really need to get in touch with you? What's the best way folks can reach out to Marie Shadows? The best way is simply through Twitter. Uh, if you're following me on Twitter or not, you probably should be following me. At Marie underscore shadows is where you can find me. If you want to get in contact with my email to make everything professional, it will be squared circle podcast at outlook.com. Now, Marie, before I let you go, I, I got to ask, because you know that I, my family, we, we went Asian for uh, Christmas. We, we did the, the uh, Peking duck. We did the uh, fried rice with the, the Chinese sausages and the shrimp. We did fresh spring rolls, jumbo fresh spring rolls. So it had all the fixings inside of there as well. Bok choy um, with uh, green beans did that as well. So and, and also peanut sauce. Of course, you got to have that. So I, I came with the heavy stuff for Christmas. Now, now you got to tell me, Emery, did you did you go heavy or did you go light this year? What, what was it for the Christmas dinner there? Um, I went traditional with, um, you know, penny and arroz gondolas. So I went traditional. Okay. So you went with the penny and you didn't offer me any, which is very rude. I, I wonder if, if uh, this has something to do with my disdain for Tama Tonga, because I know <laughs> that you, um, you're a little sweet on him. Um, and I'll just say that you're a little sweet on him. Um, I wonder if it's because I have a problem with him. You know, you know what I feel like I need to do? Marie, because I feel like Tama has kind of 
stolen you away from me. You and I used to be very good friends, and now I feel <laughs> like he kind of stepped in and took you. So, Tomatonga, I'm going to put a bounty on your head. I am going to find someone who is going to beat you down so much that you will never squint your eyes again. How about that? There it is. Bro. <laughs> there it is. What do you think? What do you, what do you say to that, Marie? Uh, that's a no-go. Uh, you guys could be friends. You know, we could all be friends here. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, once again, thank you very much, Marie Shadows. I just totally got you canceled. I did it to, to Adam. I did it to you. Candace will be next. I'm getting all my <laughs> friends canceled for 2022. Oh, man. How, how am I ever going to recover? Great stuff there from Marie Shadows. Listen, once again, folks, thank you very much for joining us You know, at Duke Loves Wrestling on Twitter, on Facebook, DukeLovesWrestling at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Agree, disagree, somewhere in between. You know, I'm always open for conversation. Just make sure that you uh, pull up your skinny jeans and, and put the, the flavored malt beverage down because this is top shelf. We do top shelf over here. Don't forget. That's right. Okay. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs>